Welcome to another episode of The Power of the Pause with Colleen Falto, Energetic Weight Loss Coach. Energetic weight loss, we're shifting the focus from our 3D weight loss goals to our 5D energetic weight loss goals. We are losing the physical and the mental weight, holding us back in so many ways of our lives than we realize. We're looking at the pain, the trauma, the drama, the lack, suppressed in our energetic body, many times manifesting as physical 3D weight, many times just manifesting as a low vibration that you are ready to lose because you're listening to this podcast. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Misty Gilbert. She is an amazing woman. I can't wait for you to hear her story. We've actually been talking for almost one hour now. Normally, I talk to my guests for like 10 minutes before we record and we just have, I'm very excited for you to hear her story. She is a transformational coach wears many hats and we're going to talk about doing the work to face your pain and addressing the root of your pain cycles so you don't repeat patterns. Misty, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Colleen. I've ex- enjoyed the conversation we've had this far and no, we're going to have a great episode today. <laughs> so for the listeners, can you give them a little background of who you are, why you got into this work, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. I'm 47, single, never been married, no kids. Um, my heart and passion around this topic came from my own story, my own journey. Uh, I was raised in an abusive environment in my childhood with my parents, and at 17 was raped by a man 28 years older than me, who had two twin boys my age. Um, The caveat to that is my parents didn't believe that I was raped. They felt I was messing around with a married man and gave me a seven-year sentence. Mm. Um, I did a TEDx talk January 2019 on the art of authenticity, how to show the real you. I share a part of my story in that. So if the listeners want to know more, they can go listen to that. But um, three and a half years into my seven year sentence, I left my parents' house in California, moved to Texas and began life on my own. Um, At 28, I began my first business. And then at 37, I left the cult that had been my friends and family and culture my entire life and began sharing that through the process of working with coaches and counselors and all kinds of courses and modalities to work on what was holding me back and why I was miserable and really hated my life. Um, I would have told you I loved my life, but behind the scenes, I knew I didn't. Um, And so I've been, went through unraveling um, the fears holding me back from who I wanted to be and facing ways that I was not being authentic to myself and hiding behind my pain. For instance, I wore a ring on my left hand pretending to be married for 16 years. Um, that was simply, it made me feel in control and powerful of myself, my being and the advances from men. Um, and so it became a protection. Now, if somebody said, well, Hey, what does your husband do? And they saw that, you know, I had a ring, I didn't make a story up or lie about it. I would just say, I just wear this just because I'm not married and don't have a husband and I go right on. I really wouldn't talk about it. Sure. But as I started realizing that, you know, it was, in some ways, a false security. Um, And I started looking at the pain and why I had the pain. I knew where it came from. My parents had had an awful relationship and I didn't want marriage. If that was marriage, I didn't want it. And then of course being raped made me feel like all men want is one thing from you. And I didn't want to feed that. And so learning how to address the deep roots inside of me that and understand that our inner world creates our outer world but most of us spend all our energy and time 
fixing the outer world to be presentable, to be accepted, to be loved, appreciated, valued, and respected and learning that until I dress the inner pain inside of me, I was never going to have the happiness I longed for. So it was through that process that I learned to turn my pain into power. Yes, yes, yes. And um, I always say pains cycles and when the lesson they're there to teach us is received. Um, I went through a very dark night of the soul, 2020 to 2022, the very tough two, two years of my life. And my mom, who's very much an energetics, she's a Reiki master. She's a ton of um, different certifications. I, I'm not going to go in. I, I, I would butcher them. She's, um, she's a really amazing, very spiritual woman. She said to me, like, Colleen, your guides want you to know that no one's mad at you. God loves, loves you. Everyone's here for you. You are just not learning the lessons you need to learn. So the lessons are getting louder and more loud, but like you, and I, it took me about a year after she, she said that to continue, you know, facing pain. Um, I actually recorded a podcast earlier today with someone else for, um, this, this, this show. And I said, I worked with someone that did my Akashic records when I was starting out my business and very stressed about money and whatnot. And she said to me, your struggle this lifetime isn't going to be making money. It's all going to work out. Your struggle is going to be learning the lesson in the hardest way possible. I was like, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. And some people, um, it's interesting. I, I tell my clients all the time, you know, when we're on this work and we're trying to grow and we're trying to, and we're like immersed and we're following everyone on TikTok, on Instagram and so social media, and we're listening to the podcast, reading the books, etc. Sometimes we lose sight that a lot of people just live in pain and want to be like a victim of life and how amazing it is to be in this position to look at your pain in the face and do the work to make it make come to something that's good in your life right yeah you know, i say that pain is a gift and mm -hmm. that that's come as a saying that i say from two things one i read a book that's called the pain is gift i read it when i was 13 years old when my mother said that i was going to die and that i needed to plan my funeral and she made me read that book it's a very gruesome book i wouldn't just recommend it to anybody without prophesying yeah. that it goes through people with leprosy and their limbs being eaten by rats and things. It's very gross, but it taught me that the body has a natural response that's built in. When you hit a your finger on a hot stove, that reaction is there to alert you so you don't do more damage. Yeah. And so just as any dis-ease in the body creates disease, the path down that route of understanding and knowledge is to alarm you so that you will pay attention and not do further damage to your body. Sure. Um, and, and whether that's a lack of sleep, lack of energy, it starts small before those buzzers get really loud going off in your head and in your heart and in every area of your life. So understanding that pain is a gift, I don't think is something that is taught. I know it wasn't taught to me. Uh, we are, you know, the minute you know, have a headache. Well, what am I going to take to get rid of it? We're always looking to get rid of it instead of how can I breathe through this and how can I accept what's happening to me and be loving and kind and compassionate back to myself. 
um, not make this wrong or bad, not make my body wrong or bad for doing this response. It's doing what God designed it to do, which is to alert me that there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so much of the coaching that we do, you know, our coaching is the transformational coaching is learning to teach people how to hold their pain and how to like feel the shame, the guilt, the regret, these emotions that like our ego just wants to push down. And I don't want to feel this emotion, learning to hold it and to move through that emotion. And we have to understand that, you know, any happiness is going to have like, there's, there's two ends of this. Um, I have it written down for a post, um, you know, joy is going to bring grief at some point morning. And then there's going to be excitement. You know what I mean? Um, you're going to feel empty at times, but you're going to feel fulfilled at times. And it's not, you're not going to feel this forever. You just need to build up the emotional tolerance to move through the emotions and trust what's on the other side of it. But when you're so attached to what's gone on in the past, it gets really hard to build that. Well, not just the past, but the expectation of the future that we're told that if you put in all the work, then you're going to have a six figure business. If you, you know, eat right, you'll always be healthy. And there can be things that happen to you that are out of your control that change those dynamics easily. And so are we enjoying the journey or are we so focused on the destination and what we achieve and what is our definition of that success? You know, if you study nature, you've got light and dark, whether that's the sun and the moon, night sky, day sky, but even just any tree, any, any flower, any animal, when it rains, they're not wigging out. Oh, I gotta, you know, close up my, my, my branches. I can't go through this. Like, you know, they're not fighting it. They embrace it. You know, it doesn't mean that obviously they don't make some adjustments, you know, at, at any point, but nature gives us lessons that these storms breathe through and they breathe out and they happen. And yeah, sometimes they leave destruction, but that destruction is necessary. Like with forest fires, it's important for regrowth and rebirth. They, those seeds don't pop the same if they don't have that intense heat. God designed it in a specific way to move nature along a path. And that's really what it is with us. All of these things are being designed for our good. That doesn't mean they're going to feel good. Yeah. And it's so interesting when we get so attached to our pain and so attached to the trauma and it becomes our identity. Like I've been through this. Um, I'm really working on letting go of I, when I first got sober a little over two years ago, I was like, I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. And it was crazy. I got back from rehab and like, I would be like standing anywhere and I'd be like, hi, I'm Colleen and I'm an alcoholic. Like like every, I would say to everyone, it was like my identity because I was so afraid to pick up and, you know, in rehab, they educated you on it. And like, this is a forever disease. And then once you come into your own disease and you're an alcoholic, you're not, and you would have to walk around and be like, I'm an alcoholic. Like you say your name, I'm an alcoholic. If you go to like a a lot of um, 12 step groups, you, you identify as an alcoholic and my dad said to me one time, he's like, how would it feel to say I'm in re- re- recovery? And I was like, no, dad, I'm an alcoholic. And it took me a little bit. And I was like, yeah, I'm in recovery. Because in reality, I'm in recovery from many things. 
um, codependency in relationships, addiction to shopping, food, um, sex, not promiscuous in relationships. You know what I mean? I don't want to like make it seem like it was, you know, but like in relationships, like addicted to validation, um, alcohol, whatever, anxiety. I'm in recovery from many things. And if I go down in one, I'm going to go down in all, all of them. And it's so much more than just alcohol. Alcohol was just a symptom to the pain that I was in. And so I'm now working from moving away from even saying I'm in recovery and just embracing the future of my, 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 my life. I am in recovery, but I don't have to introduce myself on a podcast. And like, I'm a woman in recovery. I'm a woman who like, this is where I am and this is where I'm going. That's my past. I don't need to identify with it. You know no, what I mean? It, I relate to, I don't ever say that I am a rape victim, even though I was raped at 17. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even though I was a victim of being raped, I still do not refer to myself that. It is, um, I was raped at a, a statement of something that happened in the past because it's not my identity and it's sure. not how I want to be. Anything we say I am, just as God has said, I am, whatever we say after that will follow and that will become our life. Yeah. And so a lot of people feel that success in suffering and success in the pain that they went through because they feel like it's they earned that badge of honor yeah. and, and they can't let it go because it's given them these battle scars. It's, any, it's more than anything else. And I'm sure you've met some older man at the grocery store, whatever, that wants to tell you, you know, the wars he went through and how he got these scars. Like that's yeah. all they can talk about because that's where they live for so long. And it was so difficult. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that being a season, but when that becomes the life that we constantly are viewing everything from the vision, we have the heart space within is from that point of brokenness. And we can't really see ourselves as whole or put together. Um, yeah without that pain layer, it becomes a filter of how we operate from. Absolutely. And, you know, getting to the roots so that you don't re repeat the patterns. A big part of that is first identifying what is holding you back in life now. That's a sim symptom. Just like I said, you know, anxiety is a sy sy symptom of holding on to past trauma, alcoholism, you know, food stuff. I had an eating disorder for a long time. I was bulimic for a long time. That's all a symptom. So if you really want to do the work to face your pain, the first step is to look at the symptom in your life right now and to address the symptom. And then you get to the root. As we were speaking before I recorded this, and if you've listened to this podcast in the past, I've shared this example many times. I do speak at the detox that I went to um, a little over two years ago. Every month I go there, it's a, it's, it's a very moving time for me. It's my way to give back, but it's also my way to stay in appreciation and awareness of how far I've come and how good life is today, because I'll take it for granted. If I let my mind, this is how our brains work. Our brains are like more, 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 you know what I mean? And yeah. it's important for me to humble my, my, myself. With that said, I talk about my self concept a lot. And I'm like, at this point, there's a cost of access. I don't work with every, every client. I certainly don't date every man. I have a very high standards, high boundaries. I don't do red flags. I don't give you second chances. 
you have one opportunity to to see me. And if not, then good luck. I I either attach with love or I de detach with with love. And if God gives me a sign, I listen. I'm like, all right, I really like this person, but I got it. Thank you. You know what I mean? Um, and the person, um, the last time I went there and spoke, someone was like, um, you don't seem like a very humble per 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 person. I'm like, no, 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 no. Me coming here and sharing in detail stuff that I don't really share in the podcast where my addiction took me. This is me really hum humbling myself, but like, and I understand that you're sitting in a detox right, right now. You probably don't feel like you're a gift, but I, I, we should all feel we're a gift. We should all feel that our energy is a gift to be around, not in a way that you're better than anyone. I'm not better than anyone. I want everyone to feel this and I want everyone to have strong standards and boundaries for what they allow into their lives. Imagine if we all acted like, like, like that, how amazing the world would be. But I always tell them, you know, of course you have to deal with the symptom, but like, when's the first time that you picked up this pain cycle? Like, you know, when's the first time that you picked up a drink? Were you 14, 15, 16? What were you looking to fill then? Because that is the root of it. The root of it is when the pain started, what did you need? And only you can give that to yourself. Yeah. And a lot of times it's hard to, it's hard for people who are stuck in a pain cycle to even see that they have the roots, number one, yeah. um, or a pattern of any kind. And two, they're fighting the fact and not accepting the choices that they've made that have got them there. So a lot of times when addictions um, are, are forming, they don't see that deep down they're, they're not accepting that they even had pain and that they were going to something else. So like, for instance, I was raised in a very religious background, raised in a cult um, that I left when I was 37. I've been gone for 10 years. In that sphere, everything was under the lens as what is right or what is wrong and what is God's will for my life. And yeah. so being I was following leaders and what they were telling me to do, everything went through that filter. And mm -hmm. so if you had challenged me, well, what is your real reason, say, why you're wearing a wedding band behind, you know, and hiding behind being married when you're really not, I would have said, you know, it's to protect me from men that, you know, are already married or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, this or that, or, you know, because I want to be able to set boundaries as to how I date or whatever, which you can do without wearing a wedding band, right? So that was just a filter. But a lot of times you have to go through these layers to get to the actual root. It's just like when you're going to transplant a big tree and you're going to move it somewhere else, you don't just go right up near the base. You know, you, you start out further and you come in to where then you can pull all of it out. And that's kind of the same thing with our pain. I love the work by uh, Dr. Gabe Armate um, in his book, The Myth of Normal, or When the Body Says No, he has a lot of great material, but he said the curiosity needs to be not why the addiction, but why the pain. But most people are doing the addiction to hide their pain that they're not willing to authentically talk about. And I think we need people having these organic conversations and being truthful about the areas in their life and how they were not real and authentic to themselves as leaders, because I don't care who your guru is, John Maxwell, Oprah, Brendan Burchard, whoever you follow, most of them are going to be going through something right now that's traumatic, whether it's a legal lawsuit or something in their relationship. But generally, it's taught as a leader, you do not discuss these things, you keep it behind closed doors. And I think that's what feeds the perpetual image that we have that you've got to put something out on social media that looks one way and yet behind your life is miserable and pain 
we need to be able to get to a place where you can talk about your pain, I can talk about your pain, and don't look down on these people as being less than or not achieving or not successful yeah. um, because they have something and quit putting people on a pedestal. It It's not serving anybody because then it makes those people that feel their life is a disaster, that they don't have any chance and they don't have hope, and then that you're proud. That humbleness comes in because we think that it's more humble not to talk about the pain. It's not true. You can't have the joy without the sorrow. And so how do we create a culture where people feel comfortable with what we're sharing and realizing it's not me standing up on a stage if I'm doing a speaking event and that my trauma is worse than yours. Trauma is simply a wound, whether it's a little T or a big T. Yeah. Still a wound. Pain is still pain, whether it was catastrophe at one time or has bled on for several years or whether you eradicated it or you're still dealing with it it's still pain and the thing is is that when we are looking at our tra trauma it's really important to understand that there's trauma with a lowercase t and trauma with a ca capital t but it's your perception of it you know we can both um there was one time i was driving to my older sister's first marriage in Baltimore and um my girlfriend and I were driving there and a motorcycle without a helmet like a motorcyclist without a helmet on was driving in the we were in the middle lane he was driving the fast lane and he wasn't paying attention and he slammed we, we were all coming to a stop and we saw firsthand he slammed into the car in front of him my girlfriend immediately like slammed on her brakes he flipped over right in front of the car we were in slammed his head on the pavement and like there was a pool of blood under his head. We were like in shock. We were like, uh, what? Like it, it all happened so fast. And, um, mm. we were like veered off and we drove and like, she was like the entire we, we, we weekend was inconsolable. And I was like, that was insane. And it was my sister's wedding. I was in the wedding. I was able to like put it down a little bit. But she had issues with driving. She didn't want to drive after that. She would see motorcycles. She would she would freak out. Very understandably. Like but that was a major, like for her to be driving the car and have to slam on her brakes and not have to, she she literally like slammed on the brakes before driving over that that person. And I don't mean to sound insensitive that it didn't affect me as much, but it just didn't affect me as much. It, and I do get anxiety when I see people with with a motorcycle. I'm like, like I do, because it was crazy. That was a long yeah. time ago. But um you know, your perception of the tra trauma really affects you. And it's, 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 it doesn't matter what happens so much as what you perceive to it. And, and, and you can't make, make it, make it wrong. You can't ma make it wrong that now I have fear driving because of something that happened a decade ago. It is what it is. Understand it and accept it so you can move through it. A and lot your of experience is going to be different than your sister's because she was behind the wheel and she was driving the car and yeah. we automatically feel we should have had been more in control or we yeah. were more responsible or what maybe she was playing the what if scenario what if she had hit him right yeah like, yeah 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 it could have gone a that, lot that comparison game we do I did it when I first went through counseling um sharing my story for the first time from the childhood abuse of my parents and telling my counselor well my brother had it worse than I did and she's like why do you say that I was like well his feet were burned with matches three different times mine were never burned with matches she said but you watched it you were right in the room. And I said, yes, but it wasn't my foot. And so that understanding sometimes is, yeah, you may not have had the same emotional reaction long-term as your sister, 
but you may have processed it more easily in the moment, right? That's part of trauma. It's not necessarily the depth of the trauma, but how one processes it in real time and is able to absorb it. And your nervous system might've been able to process it and move on. You had something you were going to, something to look forward to, which also helps. Yeah. You know, if, if I had been in the car and wasn't a bridesmaid and was just attending, I probably been in a, you know, cycle, maybe I would have been in a different cycle because I couldn't see all you guys saw. And so then I was, you know, even more confused as to what really happened and what I saw from the back seat. Like there's different layers that come into it. And when we take a step back and have kindness and curiosity and compassion and get to why is this hurting you so much? Why is this being so traumatic? Not make it wrong. It's a bad thing. It's just more like, I want to love you through it. I want to be there. And I want to be that support. I want to be kind to you because the more judgment and criticism we add to it, it's going to make it that much harder. Yeah. The more that we make our emotions and our feelings r- r- wrong, the harder it is to move through, through, through them. Um, I'm realizing I was in a very, very narcissistic abusive relationship that I talked about on this podcast briefly um, a couple years ago. And I did a lot of work to heal from it, to move through it. But I was also a single mom closing a brick and mortar gym, starting this online business, going through a lot of stress with that. And I did suppress a lot of that trauma. And I didn't really wait long to date. I like dated here and there. And I I would not date for about a month or so. And I would like date other people. And I've noticed that like the common denominator to certain things is me and that I don't trust men and I'm calling in men that I don't trust and it's affecting the relationship and I'm not having success with it because of my suppressed trauma around something from a couple years ago. And so my, my, my therapist and I are very much like looking into that and I'm like, wow, I really need to take a step back now that my, I'm not in that state with like being in between businesses. I'm financially supporting myself, you know, now my nervous system is a lot calmer in that sense and go back and heal that, go back and heal that so that I'm 39. I can just let it go completely and not live in fear and have this like subconscious story that I'm telling myself. And there's nothing wrong with it. I'm like, wow, this is really great that I caught this because I'm seeing that I'm still having this subconscious belief that men aren't safe. And there's, there's there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, we get to address it and move on from it. Well, I think sometimes we also need to have release the pressure to heal. Because some things I think, you know, when the military go overseas and they serve, we know that they've seen some gruesome stuff and face some very difficult stuff. And when they come back and they can't handle fireworks, the average person does not judge them. Gosh, I'm so sorry. Totally understand. Thank you for serving is what we generally say, right? If they come back and and no longer have their limbs, they're going to be dealing with phantom pains where they rub that limb and it's, you know, this is for life. That is for life. Those things, they may get better. They may get less in severity, but they're still there. And there are things that are going to trigger me and they're going to trigger you. And that doesn't necessarily mean they aren't healed. A week and a half ago, my roommate's 24-year-old son attempted suicide, hung himself over the balcony um, with a um, extension cord. Now, he went to the hospital. He's alive. But like, it took me back to my brother who's attempted suicide numerous times, but only one where I was 
really right there. And he took 200 pills to um, take his life in 2010. And so I dealt with some PTSD the last 10 days from all of that because it, it was the same kind of, I heard her scream out on the phone. That's what I did when I got the call, right? Like there's things that you just automatically do and your mind goes back to, I've healed from that. I'm not, I have some amazing tools I got from family counseling from that. I have a great poem about letting go that I got from that session. There's some great stuff, but that doesn't mean it's not going to trigger me. It's a wound. And whether it's now little T trauma in my life, as far as how it affects me, it's still a sensitive subject. When I hear of other people struggling with their mental health and depression and thoughts of suicide and no desire to live, I've been there myself. And no, I've never planned it. No, I've never gotten very aggressive at it. But I lived through a childhood of my mom believing I wasn't going to live and wasn't going to live and wasn't going to live. And so there's elements, things can can come up. And it yeah. doesn't mean I'm not healed. It's just another new layer to go deeper into and explore and accept, have unconditional love for, yeah. um, to be able to move past it. The more we resist it, the more it's going to persist. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes if you're dealing with some traumas, especially in, you know, being with a man or a woman, whatever, in relationships, you think it's all healed. And then you get out there and you're like, wow, it's coming. You have to be in a relationship to let them come up. Right. It's, it's all very interesting, but, um, you know, whatever, whatever you're going through as you're listening to this podcast, whatever's coming up, no, you're not alone. No, you're so held. Know that, you know, Misty and I obviously both very much are walking this path with you. Misty, where can everyone find you for more information? Um, I'm on all social media platforms under my name, Misty W. Gilbert. So all the handles, whether your favorite is TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, I'm under all of them on that. I am most active in conversations like this is dialogue back and forth on Facebook, but I post to all, all social media platforms and would love to connect with you on your favorite platform. Awesome. And I'm at Colleen Falto on all platforms too. I never really talk about TikTok, but I'm on TikTok too. Um, there's a link tree with a couple free downloads. You can schedule a free 30 minute call. I would love to chat with anyone. And if you're still listening to this episode, if you could like rate, review it, share it with a friend, that would be so appreciated. Misty, thank you so much for your time today. I love, love, love speaking to you and I will definitely be in touch. (laughs) Yes, it was awesome. Thank you for the time and bringing a guest on your show.